Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Christ Connection podcast. I think you're in for a treat today. Uh, this is your host, Kevin Senapati Ratna, and my guest today is Pastor Peter Fisher. Now, you may have never heard of Pastor Peter Fisher, uh, but he leads the silent retreats for the Wisconsin Northern Michigan District of the Assemblies of God. They, they break the uh, re- into kind of regions and states and things like that for the Assemblies of God in the United States, and the, that's the region that he's a part of. And uh, so he leads this annual gathering of pastors to sp- get away with God and spend time with him. And I've heard about him and uh, his work there, and so I wanted to bring him on and I really have a fun conversation for me because we're talking about things that I think people miss out on in their adventure with Jesus. Now, it may feel like for some of you that we're going into the deep end here. We're talking about silent retreat. Well, silence. <laughs> we're talking about retreat. Neither of those that may you may not be familiar with those disciplines and those practices to get to know Jesus better, but they've been around for centuries, as we even talk about. And they're beneficial to your journey. Uh, now, you don't get intimidated by, you know, he talks about an eight-day retreat and a 30-day retreat. We just, I just have fun with that because that is uh, stuff I love talking about. And this is part of why I actually have this podcast. I felt God leading me to do this podcast is because I love having these kind of conversations because people kind of put God in a box of their own experience of what they have uh, heard about. And there's things that are in the body of Christ and there's uh, disciplines and practices to get to know Jesus better that you just may not have experienced yet. And so don't be intimidated by it. If you've never uh, done a silent retreat or done a retreat period, uh, Think of just kind of open your mind. Say, God, what would you have me to do? What would that look like for me in my context and the the beauty of my own relationship with you? And allow that to be the conversation uh, you have with God as you're listening to this. Because I just think there's something to be learned, and we'd get into other topics about uh, just general our time with God and you know, what that looks like. So uh, you'll find some value there wherever you at are on this. So again, don't get thrown off. We talk about uh, people you may not have heard of, Tom, Thomas Burton, things like that, or Gregorian chant, or whatever. Don't, don't get weirded out. It's fine. Uh, it's, it's all good, uh, and I think it's going to be beneficial to you. So uh, hang with and enjoy the conversation. So without further ado, my conversation with Pastor Peter Fisher. All right, Pete, well, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, as I mentioned before we hit record, uh, you were recommended by a pastor friend uh, to have a conversation because he has gone to multiple of your retreats. Uh, you lead a retreat for the Wisconsin Northern Michigan District of the Assemblies of God, kind of uh, you call this silent retreat? Is that the name? Yeah, it's the ministers and spouses silent prayer retreat is the actual name we go by. All right. Uh, and you've been doing that for 28 years now. Uh, Seems hard to believe. <laughs> hey, you've led it in each of those years then. Yeah. You have, my right. wife is, my wife kind of assists me, but I, I do the speaking and she does a lot of the back 
room uh, stuff that makes it really work. Okay. So just so people would have an idea of what this retreat uh, is all about, what, uh, can you kind of give an overview of uh, uh, what that few days would look like? Sure, you bet. It, um, you know, I came into the assembly in 1989, Kevin. I'd been in the Catholic Church for many, many years, and that's when I was introduced to silent retreats. In fact, I made my first silent retreat, Ignatian-type retreat in 1967 out in the mountains of Colorado. And then my, um, my wife gave me a gift in 1982, a birthday present of a all-expense-paid trip to a weekend retreat. 1982, and I've gone every year since. So when I came into the assembly, I, um, you know, I've been retreating for 10 years, so it was just kind of a part of me, and it really affected my life. Uh, and that's why it, in fact, real quickly, uh, the second year I was in the assembly, after church one morning, I said to our pastor, I said, you know, I just love the assembly church. These last two years have been wonderful. But I said, I have one question. Is it always so noisy? <laughs> you know? And he just laughed and he said, well, what do, you, what do you mean? And so that led to me talking to him about silent retreats. And then he said, he said, you know, if I could get a couple dozen guys, would you be willing to put on one of those for us? Now, I had no idea that those couple dozen guys were all going to be pastors. And I was a businessman at the time. I'd never given a retreat. But anyways... So that's kind of how it started, and um, you know, that was our first retreat, I think, in 1991 or 92, I don't remember the date, so that's just kind of a brief background, but here, here's the thing. Um, the whole concept, if you will, the template of going off on silent retreats was developed uh, by a guy by the name of Ignatius. He was born the year after Columbus discovered America, so you see this is more than 500 years ago. And the template that he put together back then, I still use the same template. The, the only difference is back then, um, when he began, the only retreat was a 30-day silent retreat. He would have his followers, um, I guess not ministers or priests, but advocates that followed him, do that once a year. Can you imagine that, Kevin? Wow. <laughs> 30 days of silence once a year. Well, that... The practicality of it, you know, simply wasn't there. And um, maybe, I don't know, within some period of time, they switched that and they did a eight-day silent prayer retreat. That's what my wife and I go on every summer. And then as time went on to, to really hit a mass audience, they switched it. And most Chesapeake retreat houses um, have retreats that start on a Thursday night and go till a Sunday noon. What we do in the Assembly of God, um, our ministers come on a Monday morning, go till a Wednesday noon, or we're starting a new program this year where we're going to let them come earlier on Sunday evening and go to a Wednesday noon. So that's just kind of a little bit of a background. So was it actually Ignatius who switched it from the 30 to the 8, or was that later in history? No, no, no that was Ignatius. Um, okay. He just... He, now, I don't know, he switched it from 30 to 8, and, and Jesuits worldwide in the Catholic Church today, they go on an eight-day silent retreat every year. Wow. And before they profess their vows, they go on a 30-day retreat. So 
but the, the, the template that Ignatius used is, is used all over the world, um, mainly by Catholics, but also quite a bit by um, Methodists and Anglicans and various other denominations, because it's, um, it's a template that just works. You don't, you know, you don't have to be, uh, in fact, it was interesting when we started, um, some of the ministers knew I'd been a Catholic until two years ago, and they were a bit dubious. <laughs> and, um, I told them, well, you just um, fit in. If there are certain um, kind of Catholic type things, we'll just set those aside um, and, and see if it fits. And it's obviously fit because we're in our 28th year. Uh, and, but you, you said you personally uh, still every summer do an eight-day? I go every summer for eight days. And that's a bit of a different retreat. But I think maybe what I should do is um, give you a sense as to what the normal retreat is what we do with the ministers. Okay. What Ignatius um, put together, uh, Kevin, was um, a package of, well, I'm going to say five sessions, but he organized retreats into what he called weeks. All right. There were four weeks. And of course, that the original 30-day retreat was four weeks. And then he the sessions went like this. There was two sessions in week number one, then one session in week two, three, and four. So here's the breakdown. What Ignatius said was that week number one was really not retreat. That was preparing for retreat. And then weeks two, three, and four were retreating. And his whole focus was this. The only reason a person would go off on retreat is that they have a deep desire to become more like Jesus. I guess that fits any denomination, right, Kevin? <laughs> right. <laughs> now, okay, so week number one, this is the way we do it. There's two sessions. I speak a half hour, five times over the course of the retreat, okay? So the first talk is on the template is always about just the greatness of God. Who is this incredible God we serve? We, we um, challenge the ministers to look back into their history, um, when they first came to know God and, and just kind of be overwhelmed once again by the God that they serve. Now, what Ignatius said then, Kevin, is that when you do that, and what we do is I give that half hour session and then that they have about a five hour break where they're off on their own. I give them some exercises that they can do if they want to, but they don't have to. Um, but Ignatius said this, that when you will really focus on the greatness of God, the who he is, who he's been for you, something quite automatic happens. And that's this. You can't miss seeing the chasm that exists between God and you. And Ignatius, just like you and I, he had a word for that. He called it sin. And so in the second session, then now remember, we're still in the preview before retreat starts. In the second session, then I speak once again for a half hour on the subject of sin. And after that talk, then the ministers once again are free, um, that's late afternoon into the evening until the next morning. And of course, that's the time to recollect themselves. Take a look at um, where have they been the last year? Where have they, where have they strayed? Where has sin crept in? And, um, you know, things of that stuff. You see, Ignatius, felt strongly that if you want to make a good retreat, you got to clear the decks first of what you bring on retreat. Then, 
real retreat starts for us Tuesday morning. Um, and there's then weeks two, three, and four. Week two is all about becoming like Jesus in your public life. Week three is becoming like Jesus in his passion and death, which of course for us would be our sufferings and things like this. Week number four, becoming like Jesus in the resurrection. And so what we do in those uh, weeks two, three, and four, I, I use scriptures from the public life, the passion and death and the resurrection. And um, each year I try to draw from my own experience and just um, my own study and research and present in a half hour sessions those topics. And then the ministers go off, you know, after week number two, they have the longest break. They've got six hours free on their own. After week no, the talk on week number three, they've got about three hours. And then the next morning on the resurrection, they have another three hours. And, and you know, and this is quiet time um, just to, to reflect and, you know, get in touch with, um, Lord, how would you have me become more like you this next year? And so each year, uh, the themes are the same, but you pull out different scriptures then. Right. As an example, um, the retreat that um, I'm working on right now that will be this fall in October, my theme is into the wilderness. And I'm drawing on a lot of the um, uh, scriptures during the 16 wilderness experiences that David had. But of course, I interweave in weeks two, three, and four, those scriptures from the life of Jesus. A year ago, my retreat was, the theme was retreating with Job. And what I did is I, I spent a year just studying Job. And, but, but once again, you see, it all, the, the, the template never changes, Kevin. That's, that's why um, what Ignatius did has stood the test of time. I mean, what, what lasts for more than 500 years? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. So we're, we're we're, we're always going to, um, in week four, talk about becoming more like Jesus in the resurrection. But last year, when I spoke on Job, what I did is I focused on what happened in the aftermath of all that Job went through. You know, the restoration of the gifts, that incredible exchange with his wife near the end. And, 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 and then I would weave that in with the resurrection scriptures for Jesus. So, uh, so for a person who maybe this sounds like a totally different world than what they're used to with their, uh, you know, instant everything, uh, maybe uh, what would be some examples of someone who, a pastor who's come on a retreat like this, what kind of process uh, maybe do they feel or experience as, you know, si the idea of silence for three days may It'd be really scary to somebody. <laughs> oh, it really is. In fact, it's very interesting. As um, new pastors come the first time, like I think last year we had um, about 100 pastors on retreat. We did two different weeks. And I think maybe about 20 or 25 were new. And as I meet new pastors, and I've been doing this for 28 years, I always ask this question. I says, Pastor, when's the last time? You didn't say a word two and a half days. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the first man to say, you know, that they've done it before. You see? So, so it's, um, 
it can be a bit scary. It's obviously challenging. Um, but what happens at the end of the retreat, um, the last hour, we simply open it up for, um, you know, we, we, we end the silence. And I tell the ministers, hey, look, we're going to just have a time if you want to offer a word of testimony. We always tell the ministers, this is not a time to preach. It's a word of testimony. <laughs> and, um, and you cannot imagine how often ministers will say, I didn't want the silence to stop. You see, it's, it's, it's so um, uncharacteristic of the world we live in, and particularly of the Assembly of God. Because, you know, as you know, we are kind of a noisy bunch. <laughs> and, uh, but there's just, you see, there's just something in it. Um, I often say this to ministers. Um, Mother Teresa probably said um, something, I don't know, 25 years, 30 years ago that um, resonates so much with me. She said this, if you really want to know God, be silent. You know what I mean? It's just, a, you see, the, the whole idea... And what we do is we take, we have the ministers go away to, a, to a, a retreat house. They all have a single room, okay, because they don't want anyone there that's going to interface with them. Uh, they're quiet, and Ignatius said it this way, that um, it's much easier to hear someone else if you are not talking. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I mean, that's simple, but... And we encourage our ministers, we're not just talking about not talking. What we want to do is attempt to set aside any distractions that take away from you meeting with God. So, for example, we say, be very careful with your silverware in the dining hall. Uh, be careful opening and shutting doors. When you um, are walking the grounds and you see another minister coming towards you, um, veer off. They won't think you're being rude because, you know, what you're trying to do, you're protecting this um, uh, bubble of time with you and God. But what you're also doing is you're protecting it for your fellow retreatants. I would say, I just had to throw this in. I was reading this morning uh, in my own time, uh, Psalm 62, uh, for God alone my soul waits in silence. And then uh, verse five for, for God alone, my oh my soul wait in silence. Uh, there is something powerful that we miss in our day and age uh, with the constant noise uh, in your own life. Uh, what have you found is some of the benefits of silence? Well, it, I mean, it's a constant challenge, Kevin, you know, I've told people I, I feel like I'm never really more myself than I want when I'm on retreat every year. And I, I just look for it. I, I mean, I, um, I already know my wife and I are going late May and early June. And when we get within two, three months, I'll just be anxious, you know, because it's, I feel like my real self. Now, outside of that, um, you know, I'm just like everyone else. I'm challenged to... Um, as you say, wait on the Lord. I'm challenged to um, maintain silence. Kind of what I do is um, the Lord got a hold of me in January in 1992. I was new in the assembly just, uh, I guess, two years. And um, that experience really anchored the life of prayer that my wife and I have. 
In fact, my she's um, she's in the other room now doing her morning devotions, and so we um, we just begin the day with a good amount of time with the Lord, just you know ourselves in silence. I mean, I'm, I'm usually I walk the dogs at five thirty or six, and I spend a good part of the next couple hours just with the Lord. You know, doing doing my best to um, ward off distractions and. Um, Sometimes I'll write, do it right here at, at our home. Sometimes I'll go off to a, a Starbucks and just find a table by myself. And, um, but, but I've just, I, I tell you, I have learned over the years that this silence is incredibly powerful. That it just, um, in fact, I, what I often do, if Doris and I are going for eight days, um, I, I'll often go a day or a day and a half early because I, it's like I want to just have myself prepared, so the moment retreat starts, I go. You know what I mean? That right. I'm just ready. That I'm because so often ministers um, come, and they've just been, you know, just stressed out with life. They're just, you know, all kinds of things are going. And in fact, they've said that's one of the reasons we're elongating the retreat this next fall. We want to give them a chance to come almost a full day early so they can just kind of let down, hang out, um, um, sleep, you know, and, and kind of get ready to meet God. I don't know if that answered your question, but it's just... Oh, no, that's, that's good. Hey, and the spirituality of the nap is a, is a recurring theme on the show. So <laughs> it's, there is something that's when you're starting that, uh, that time with God, just to, to, to rest. If you, uh, a couple of questions off of that though. Uh, first, if you were talking to someone who maybe couldn't, maybe they're a stay at home mom or business person, like you, you've had experience with, uh, I, and, the whole idea of maybe two to three days seems that, you know, like I couldn't do that to start with. If you were trying to encourage them in the discipline of silence, uh, do you have a, any advice on like starting points of uh, some practices that they could do some simple entry things just to get a feel for it. And maybe at some point, and, and we'll talk about more about retreats in a moment, but uh, just the idea of silence to get them started. Let me tell you a little story before I address that, um, but I think it's, it, it, it really pertains because um, people so often, Christians, feel guilt of sorts because they hear people like you and I talking about quiet time and devotional time and all this, and yet they're in different stages of their life. Some years ago, I had a gal came to me on a Wednesday night, and I, my wife and I had been leading a class on devotions and all this and that. And she was just distressed. And she came to me and she says, you know, Pastor, um, I, I just can't seem to get this. She, she said, let me tell you what happened this last week. And she began to relate. She got up early in the morning, like six in the morning. And she says, it, it wasn't five or 10 minutes and I was asleep. <laughs> I, I knew I only had till a little after seven. I had to get my daughter up, take her to school. And so she was still so stressed. So I said to her, I said, Rose, that was her name. I said, Rose, let me get this straight. Um, what you did, you got up at six in the morning that day, and, and you had this sense that it would be um, more comfortable to get out of your bed and go sit on the sofa in the living room and sleep there. 
And she said, no, 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 Pastor, that wasn't, that, that, that wasn't it. I wasn't planning to fall asleep. And I said, oh, Rose. In other words, what you're telling me is your intention was to get up and sit there and be with the Lord. Okay. And I said, I want to tell you this, that your intention is the key. Because God is not looking at your performance, how many minutes and whatever you were awake. He's looking at your heart. You see, I, your basic question, um, you know, at different stages of life, people have different abilities and their prayer time is characterized differently. You know, um, nursing moms or moms with little kids. Well, I mean, it's just not possible often to grab a block of time. I say this to him. I say this, be desirous. If you got 10 minutes or 15 minutes or five minutes, be desirous of making that the best you possibly can. And God understands that. In fact, I often say when people for some reason can't do something or can't be involved in something spiritually, I say this to him. I say, I believe that God will bless you in the same way as though you've been there simply because of your desire. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. You know, so it, um, I mean, I do think, like I'm retired now. I'm 76 years old, okay? I have a lot, you know, more time than I had, you know, 20 years ago or 20, when we started in the assembly, we had uh, four teenagers. Well, that was a whole, whole different thing. And I was working in a business and, and, and so forth. But, but, but even outside of that, Kevin, I think that um, there's a discipline that anyone in any situation has got to put to this matter, whether it's the mom with the young kids or the, the pastor or the retired person, because whatever that block of time is or whatever that devotional practice is, there's a discipline to make it happen. In fact, I believe this. If it doesn't require a discipline to make it happen, it's probably not worth much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because whatever it is, if it's that um, 10 minutes here and then 10 minutes after lunch that the mom with the little kids has, well, you, you think she's not challenged to use that 10 minutes in a different way? You bet she is, you know? So I, th I think that, um, you, you know, wh whatever our stage is, I think we look to the Holy Spirit as to what, is practical and makes sense for us. And then we pray for the grace of discipline. That that's, makes sense? Oh, that's, a, that's really good. Because uh, uh, I think people get intimidated by the idea of something big. Uh, and so they don't do anything. You know, rather than acknowledging where they're at and saying, okay, uh, I can do 10 minutes. Or I can, uh, what's that? Uh, uh, John Wesley, John and Charles Wesley's mother that would uh, put the, uh, the towel over her head. And uh, that, that was your time not to don't mess with, don't right. mess with mom right then. <laughs> so right. Uh, right. finding that place where you're at. And uh, you know, see, I have done a lot of things since 1990, 1992, January 6th was kind of the time that I really, that's when I locked in that um, I have got to, I've got to devote a certain amount of time every day to the Lord, just the two of us. You know what I mean? But and that's been uh, 27 years, and I've done a lot of different things during my devotional time. 
And I, I tell you, there was one point in time where I picked up a book where a fella had um, kind of a pattern that if you spent an hour, you'd take five minutes on each of these 12 things. Well, I, I, don't, I didn't even do that for a month. I said, <laughs> oh, I can't, you know. What I think is this, that if a person really has the desire to have some alone time with the Lord, you know, I believe that that person looks to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will help um, him develop a program that works for him or her. But that program is probably going to change, you know, o o over time. Right. You know, I mean, right, right now, I'll just tell you what my program is right now. I, um, I, I spend a, probably a, you know, certainly an hour, often two hours with the Lord, and, and I kind of just mix it up. I have a time of just praying for um, the children, the grandchildren, um, and sometimes individually, but often as a group. Um, I've got a little prayer book where I say certain prayers first thing in the morning, and then I'll go to Scripture, and I'm, I'm kind of always like, right now I'm working in um, a Second Samuel, but I'm also working in Timothy, and I always work. Um, I always work in um, a psalm or a piece of the Proverbs, and I try to get through the better part of the Bible every year. I don't always do that, but so I, I just kind of mix it up. But I don't have a pattern that I have to do, Kevin. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if, if if I just end up sitting there for a half hour doing nothing, well, that's just fine sure. because I because I. I've recognized that, and I think it was, um, who was it? Thomas Merton. Do you know the name? Thomas yep. Merton, just a, a godly man, Catholic man. Um, he said this, when it comes to the business of prayer, the most important thing is to show up. <laughs> and then he said this, and as to what happens once you're there, that's the Holy Spirit's business. You know what I mean? No, that's, uh, I think uh, when you were talking, I was thinking about the analogy of uh, a marriage relationship and how seasons of life will change the nature of your conversation. You know, I've been uh, married, you know, 20 some years and uh, my relationship in this season is different than it was, you know, and how we communicate and what we talk about and even days and weeks would be different depending on what's going on. It should probably be the same with the Lord and our time with him. If sometimes you just sit there. <laughs> yeah, in fact, it's interesting. My, my, my wife, um, she's just, she has sleep problems. So she can't get to sleep as, as well at night. And so she often sleeps till nine in the morning or whatever, but she's very regimented. You know, she comes up, uh, she has a little bit of uh, breakfast, some cereal, and then she goes, she sits in a chair in the bedroom, um, puts on some soft um, um, kind of Gregorian chant music. You know what that is? Old, yep. old. Yeah. <laughs> and she just sits there with the Lord. And um, she'll have her Bible there. But I tell you, I should really ask her this. My guess is a good percentage of that time, she's just there. You know what I mean? Yep. There, there is no activity. So I don't, you know, I don't think the Lord really cares what that activity is. But, but he does care 
you know, that we meet with them. You know what I mean? It's just okay. like, like your marriage analogy, you know. I've been, Doris and I are in our 50-50 year, and um, if all of a sudden I went through a couple of days and didn't engage in conversation or didn't make it, you know, I don't, I don't think she'd like that. I wouldn't like it. I, I just think, I mean, the, the Lord just got to be that and then some. You know, here, here's what, um, back in 1992, real quick, uh, we had a seminar at a church. A guy came to speak on prayer. It, it just changed my life. And it was one sentence that he said, Kevin, and I've repeated many, many times over, this year, over the years, he said this. He said, you will never become the man or woman God wants you to become unless you allow the Holy Spirit to develop in you the practice of every day getting alone with him. Think about that. You will never, and that was the word that really grabbed me, never. You will never be the man or woman that God wants you to be unless you allow the Holy Spirit to develop in you the practice of daily getting alone with him. You see, and as you and I have been talking, that getting alone, hey, there's no cookie cutter there, you know, depending on your stage in life and what's going on and what you're, you know what I mean? But, but just to have this mentality that, you know, I, I've got to be alone with God. In fact, I say people this way. At Starbucks, they often will come up to me, and they'll see me, and they might engage me. And I say this. It's the only way I can have a chance to be decent today. <laughs> That's what I say. My, my time with the Lord. I'll, I want to be decent. I want to be that way with uh, Doris, my wife, and with anyone that I come in contact with. And when I give that time alone with the Lord, i got to crack at it. So uh, we're talking about our quiet time, our time alone in the daily practice, but then you also have the rhythm of, uh, of retreat that comes into that. Uh, you said you've been doing that since 1982 uh, when you first started that process. Uh, for someone who uh, is thinking about the idea of retreat, uh, would you recommend they start, I mean, if they're, uh, dive in the deep end, do a two, three day retreat or take an afternoon. Uh, where would you, where would you recommend, you know, someone would start on that whole idea? Well, I, I mean, I would really recommend that they, um, they take that weekend retreat. Okay. Uh, you know, the Ignatian retreats are far more prevalent for um, lay people than they are for ministers. And with lay people, as I say, they come on a Thursday night, go to Sunday noon. Sometimes they come on a Friday afternoon. But, um, you know, the retreat house that Doris and I go to, they run retreats 48 weeks a year. Wow. You know, and that's not unusual. Um, um, and, you know, we, you see, before, when we started doing the minister's retreats, we also started doing retreats for um, laymen and women. And up until 2005 or six, we were running um, five or six weekends in the spring with women and five or six weekends in the fall for men. And, um, you know, routinely people would just come the first time just for this weekend retreat. And um, we would encourage them to um, become annual retreats. I want to 
grab something here real quickly that let me, let me think where it is. Um, I want to grab a scripture for you that I think really speaks to it. I don't know what what what's your um, what's your translation that you use yourself, Kevin? Uh, well, it depends on the day, but what I'm working on with right now is the uh, ESV. But I'm all over the place. <laughs> well, I have been um, I have been using the message for a lot of years. Um, now, I know it's not as good a translation, um, you know, as a lot of other ones, but um, I'm not. Um, it's good. It's got good stuff. <laughs> yeah. But let me let me let me read something here. This is out of Second Corinthians, right. and um, I use this at every retreat. I speak to ministers about it, and I said, you know, if, if you want a scripture that really focuses on why you need to be retreating this scripture. Listen to this. Paul says, test yourselves to make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. And I say to the ministers, retreating to me is my annual test. It's my once-a-year once opportunity to serious do, seriously do something about any of the areas that in my relationship with the Lord where I've strayed. And you so said I, sec, Second Corinthians, what was the... Uh, you know, it's Second Corinthians. I don't have the rest of the references. It's okay. out of the... Um, oh, yeah, because uh, he doesn't put message. verses in there. <laughs> I'll look yeah. it up. It's fine. Yeah, I'll you, put you it in the notes. Up, but it's a, you know, and, and that, you know, I don't care who we are, you know, the, every minister, every individual over the course of the year, hey, we're going to stray, you know, the things we think about, the things we let our eyes alight on, the, the words that come out of our mouth, the, um, the examples of laziness. I, I mean, we, Billy Graham strayed, you know, and, um, the beauty of retreat is you have this few days where it's just you and God. And I, I maintain this, Kevin, that um, if a retreatant's got a good attitude, okay, most do. You generally don't go off for three days of silence without a good attitude. But if you have a good attitude, well, then you can trust that whatever needs to be brought up, the Holy Spirit's going to bring it up. You know what I mean? And, and you see, then you get to deal with it. You see, that's what I love going on retreat, you know, because I want to deal with wherever I'm straying. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't want to hide it under the rug and I don't want it to fester and, you know, I want to get at it. And, you know. So, so when you say your own, uh, when you do the eight days, first of all, is that an extended version? Uh, no, let me. No, let me let me explain. You see, the eight-day retreat is a bit of a different format. Okay. What what they do on an eight-day see on a normal retreat, we'll have fifty or sixty retreatants. It'll be broken down into these five different, um, you know, things, and then I speak a half hour at the beginning of each one. Okay. One retreat director, sixty retreatants. 
the eight day retreat that Doris and I go on, it's at the Jesuit retreat house. Um, and it, this is typical of what the Jesuits do on an eight day retreat. What they do, they might have 60 retreatants. They will bring in 12 directors and each director will get five retreatants. Okay. And then as an example, I owe it because I'm an early bird, you know, I like to start early, so I'll try to arrange with my director. Um, to, you, you visit with the director once a day, okay. a half hour to 45 minutes. And then you're on your own for the next 24 hours. Wow. How about that? <laughs> you see? Now, those directors, so you end up on an eight-day retreat, you visit with those directors eight different times. Okay. Now, what their job is, they basically take the template that Ignatius put together and they basically use it over an eight day period. So in effect, when I'm on retreat with Doris for the eight day retreat, I'm getting the same kind of thing that I would on a weekend retreat, you see, but it's just a different format. And it, um, now that one, by the way, um, you don't just jump into an eight day retreat. <laughs> I had done the um, the weekend retreats for about 10 years. My wife, she stumbled onto the eight-day retreats very early in the game, actually in the late 70s. And she kept telling me, you just, you need to come and, and man, I was just scared of it. <laughs> I thought I can be silent for two or three days, but eight <laughs> days just over the top. And so what I did in the mid-90s, they offered a four-day retreat kind of on this pattern with a director and then you're on your own for 24 hours. So I did that three years and I kind of got used to, and then I graduated to the eight days and it just, um, I just love it. In fact, so, um, so you feel used to it now? I mean, uh, when you, when you are in that, is it kind of, uh, I guess, uh, cause I haven't done an eight day silent. So I was just wondering is, Oh, having done it for these years, is it kind of like a muscle that uh, you, you get good at or is each year you still have to go through that? I mean, like with fasting uh, food, you, you still have to go through, even if you're used to fasting, you still go through the, you know, withdrawal symptoms of food kind of a thing. Is well, it the same it, with noise? Yeah. It, um, I mean, in a way you do get used to it because you kind of know what's going to go on. You don't know any of the specifics. Okay. But I know for myself, when I get there, and I told you earlier, I try to get there a day or so early, I'm just excited just to be there because I know that other than that half hour, 45 minutes each day with the director, I, I, I'm just, um, I'm alone with God for a day. Now, you know, I break it up. They have meals. The meals are always in silence as they are on our ministry retreat, soft music playing. And I'll kind of break up my prayer times. I'll, I'll, you know, take a time because see what they'll do, the directors or myself, they'll give you suggested scriptures they might want to use during your break time. I'll actually give them different exercises that if they want to, they can work through. So you've got materials that uh, you can use. And, and I know I encourage our ministers, if you're new, I would really follow the materials that I give you. But as you get used to it, and you've done it for more time, you can just shoot out on, on your own. What, 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 
for example, kind of what happens to me on the eight-day retreats is um, I'll visit with my director and, you know, maybe at 8.30 in the morning, so I'm done by 9 or 9.15, I got the whole day. He maybe gives me a few suggested scriptures and, and some exercises I could do. And a lot of times I'll go get a cup of tea or something, find a place to sit, and I'll just do nothing. And I'll say something like this, Lord, you know how you'd like to orchestrate this day. I'm just going to sit here and do nothing till I have some sense <laughs> of what I want to do. And then I might go take a walk along Lake Winnebago where the retreat house is. I might grab one of the scriptures. I might, um, I might go take a nap. You know what I mean? So it, it, but I've been retreating for a lot of years. You see, in the earlier years, I'd get real focused. If he would give me, let's say, four different scriptures, I'd just kind of plan my day. Okay, from 10 to 11, I'm going to work on this area. And then from 2 to 3 here, and then 5 to 6, and then 8 to, you know what I mean? I'd really, and in between, I'd take walks, I'd take a nap, I'd get a cup of coffee, I'd, you know, but it, it, um, I actually, you know, you might be interested, 10 years ago, I actually went out to Gloucester and did a 30-day silent retreat. Wow. The reason was, I wanted to understand what it was like 500 years ago when Ignatius first did that, you know? And that retreat, basically, they took Ignatius's four weeks, but they just elongated it. For example, the, although it was weeks, the second week, which was follow, becoming more like Jesus in his public life, that was 11 days. Wow. I mean, 11 physical days. The first week, the greatness of God and sin, I think, was four or five or maybe six. And, you know, but imagine spending 11 days in silence on the public life of Jesus, Kevin. I mean, it was incredible. It really was. Now, you do, you know, admittedly, when you have long periods of silence, Hey, there'll be times that, man, you'll get distracted. You'll be spinning your wheels. You'll often have to, okay, Lord, just kind of bring me back. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And, uh, but, but, you know, that's, we have to do that even if it's an hour in the morning. Right. Oh, yeah. So, okay. so, it, so yeah, it sounded like you enjoyed, though, the 30 days. Oh, I loved it. Right. Oh, I just loved it. I just, um, I didn't like being away from Doris. Um but I just loved it. What they did is you had 10 days of silence and then they had a day where it was a break where you would not visit with your director and you could do anything. I was out in uh, Massachusetts. So I, I had a rental car and I drove along down to Newport and all this. And then you come back, you have another day. Now you're not out, um, you know, bowling or doing something like that on the off day. You're just, you're just, having downtime because you know it can be intense you know when, when you just you've been on an eight-day retreat there's times where it, you know you're working with the lord and he's speaking to you and you're getting some sense that maybe you're dealing with areas that you're not proud of the past year well that stuff can get intense and so you know sometimes you break it up yeah you bet yeah, yeah. 
right. Well, our time is uh, coming close to an end here, and I, I, I thought uh, maybe a good place for us to uh, land the plane, and then I'll, 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 I'll give you a few uh, after the, this. If you have any like ask or kind of a challenge to the audience of uh, what, whatever you'd like to, whatever. I, this is my tradition. I always at the end, if you you have a you know a book you want to recommend, whatever it is, what a challenge you want to give uh, to the audience. But before we do that, I was wondering if you would just. Uh, uh, and maybe a long, but just take a moment and pray for the audience in this sure. vein of silence and uh, encouraging uh, uh, that they would meet with God during those uh, retreat uh, journey. And then we'll uh, wrap it up. Great, great, wonderful. Dear Lord, when I pray for this, I always think about how I love to be with Doris. You know I'm nuts about her after 55 years like I was when I first set eyes on her. And Lord, I think about that in terms of how you want to be with me and on each one of the people that are listening here. And so Lord, my prayer is that you would give them this sense of the great desire that you have to simply be alone with them. Lord, let them relate it to their great desire to be with their spouse or possibly one of their children or a good friend and let them understand through that uh, just a gutty human emotion how much you desire that. I pray, dear Lord, that, um, that that will be the platform that will set them on this journey of desiring also to be with you. And so that's my prayer, dear Lord, that by the Holy Spirit, with grace abounding, that every one of our listeners would just get a sense and go after that with a fervor. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for that. And again, uh, uh, as I said, I always like to end with a, uh, an ask uh, of uh, any kind that you might have, uh, or if you want to just, you know, encourage the pastors who are listening to come to your retreat, I don't know, <laughs> whatever you'd like. Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say exactly what um, that pastor, his name escapes me, said to me. And I've mentioned it already back in 1992 because it, is, it, it just has affected my life. And we were just beginning the retreats then. And so I would say to each one of the listeners um, uh, this, um, if you truly want to be the man or woman that God intended you to be, then pray the Holy Spirit develop in you the desire to daily get along with him. That'd be my prayer. And, you know, I, I tell you what, that word never so grabbed me, Kevin, because I left that meeting that night saying, this man is telling me that I'm, I'm going to be on this life for all my days years, and I will never be what God intended if I don't do what he said. The next morning, I got up at five in the morning, and I said to myself, I got to find out. I got to find out. You know, and I would say to your listeners, I found out that, you know, you, you want to have a fulfilling life, this incredible life that Jesus offers us, that somehow you need to engage the Holy Spirit to find out what, what, what practice program or whatever um, will allow you to be alone with the Lord on an everyday basis. 
Well, that's that's so good. Uh, and that's a great place uh, to land the plane. So I th- thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for your investment and uh, your heart for the Lord. It's uh, it's evident by uh, by what you've been saying and your that's the spirit that with you say it. So uh, thanks for much so so much and thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for inviting me, Kevin. Bye bye. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Pastor Peter Fisher as much as I had in recording it. It was a lot of fun to dive into these topics. And, and let me encourage you, again, wherever you are on your journey with Jesus, to take that next step. You may not uh, be signing up for a silent retreat uh, next weekend, although you may. I don't know. Uh, but at least do something. Maybe turn off your phone for the next 15 minutes and just sit there and be with Jesus. Don't uh, don't turn on any music. Just don't just be with Jesus uh, and see what comes of it. And give it some can take on an experimental mindset and see where it can go in your journey with Him. I, I just imagine someone listening to this and uh, you're going through a storm in life. Silence can be that place where you experience the peace of God that passes all understanding to guard your heart and your mind as you just pour out your heart in the silence of the moment of being with him or maybe you're going through something very depressing and that moment where you just shut it off and let his joy fill you his happiness the the kind of the overflowing of just Hanging out with Jesus uh, could be that thing if you just try something new. Try something different than you've never done before. And while you're at it, would you take a moment and just share this with somebody? Uh, Some of these episodes, you know, may not have... A big audience, you know, Pastor Peter Fisher, he's a retired individual. He's, you know, got thousands on on, uh, Facebook and Twitter and things like that. But you can share his story and encourage someone that's going through something right now and be a blessing to them. And I'd appreciate that if you considered, you know, who who would be blessed by this today. And uh, while you're at it, uh, why don't you uh, say hello to us on social? Uh, We're at Enjoying Prayer on both Facebook and Twitter. Uh, So come on by and say hi. Uh, And if you're looking for the show notes, we mentioned some scripture references, things like that. I put them in the show notes and that's at ChristConnection.com cc slash podcast again that's christconnection.cc slash podcast uh, come on over and say hi there as well uh, again thanks for listening to the show today may god bless you and keep you may his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and may he give you peace god bless and thanks again for listening